Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the twelve, Fear no one. Nothing is concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. What I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Are not two sparrows sold for a small coin? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's knowledge. Even all the hairs of your head are counted. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my heavenly Father. But whoever denies me before others, I will deny before my heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Compelling readings today for what is currently going on in our world, our country, and in many communities. Scripture passages that call all of us to stop, that calls us to listen, and that calls us to move, but most importantly calls us to not be afraid. First we hear this warning from the prophet Jeremiah. I hear the whisperings of many. Terror on every side. Denounce. Let us denounce him. All those who are my friends are on the watch for any misstep of mine. Perhaps he will be trapped. Then we can prevail and take our vengeance on him. Sounds a lot like what an advanced warning about joining Facebook might sound like, if you ask me. It sounds like our friends listening to every word we post, hoping to catch something they disagree with, something they know is wrong, something they are against, or something that goes against their political party. And it's not just on social media. It's in everyday life. We see it on the news. We see it in our encounters with people. And what are our friends hoping for? Are they hoping we have a conversion to their viewpoint? Are they hoping our friendship becomes stronger because they were right and they convinced us they were right? It's a never-ending, vicious cycle. And we hear the prophet Jeremiah say to us, stop already. Because 
we collectively are the so-called friends. And we are the ones he is referring to. We are all guilty of it. And Jeremiah calls us to stop. He calls us to stop and take our efforts in a different direction. He calls us to sing to the Lord, to praise to the Lord, to focus on that which is good so that our hearts can be strengthened. Something that will never happen as the result of an interaction on social media. Then in the second reading, we hear Paul tell us about how sin came into the world. And what was the result? Death. And sin and death have been linked literally from the beginning of time. And this connection is even more visible in the world today. We are surrounded by it. And it sure does sound a whole lot like the actions of many people these days that are in the news. Pick someone. Our politicians. Our judges. Our police officers. Our citizens. Each one of us. No one is spared from sin. And no one can avoid death. But in our country today, there is a grave injustice taking place in front of our eyes. And I know many of you may disagree with what I am about to say. So if you get up and you leave, please maintain your social distancing. But I encourage you to stay and open your hearts to this message. Jesus tells us in today's gospel, nothing is concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. What I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. So let me say this in the light of this community, from near the rooftop of this building, and in the light of this gospel, let me speak these names. Brianna Taylor, Rayshard Brooks, George Floyd, Ahmed Arbery, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Eric Gardner, Philando Castillo. And I could go on and on and on. And for anyone to deny that the predominant justice of our time still has to do with race, then I would say, raise your head and open your heart. You might say, Deacon Tim, the statistics do not bear out what you are saying. You might say there are more white people killed by police than black. You might say if they just would have complied with the law, then they would be okay. I hear you. And you can be right in those statements. And there can still be an injustice going on against people of color. 
But you might also be saying what I've been saying to myself for some time. I don't care because it has no effect on me. My world is safe. There's no one dying unjustly that I know. There's no protest around me. And these events are happening in different cities, different states, and in different neighborhoods. And up until about a week ago, I probably would have agreed with you. Because you know why? I was looking to justify what happened. I was looking to justify my opinion. I was looking to solidify my beliefs that all the news I hear is slang or fake or not to be believed. And I was looking to put the blame back on the individual who was killed. On the one who was killed. So again, I say their names because they were given life by God and had the same human dignity that all of us have, that you and I have. Breonna Taylor, Rayshard Brooks, George Floyd, Ahmed Arbery, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Eric Gardner, Philando Castillo. And right about now, you may be asking yourself, what changed a week ago? Well, if you were here a week ago, right here, this very spot on these steps, Deacon Dallas told us what separates Catholics, not just from the rest of the Christian religions, but what separates us from the rest of the world, the Eucharist. Something our young people will receive today for the first time. This gift that separates us as Catholics from all others. They will receive the life of Christ into their own bodies. And they will become alive with the love of God, not just in their bodies, but hopefully in their souls. So last week when Dallas preached about that, it started my mind thinking about the state of affairs in our country in a new way. I had maybe what you might call an epiphany. The Eucharist is not the only thing that separates us from others. Our position, the Catholic teaching on life, passed down for the last 2,000 years from council to council, from theologian to theologian, from pope to pope, and from Catholic to Catholic. We support the dignity and life of all persons from conception to natural death. God is the giver of life. And only He should be the one who brings about a person to their eternal reward. We are pro-life. And that means a whole lot more than just working to outlaw abortion. So what I am saying is that a police officer or any other human being should not decide that someone should die. Only God should. Before you get all excited, I know there are times when the killing of another human being can be justified. Self-defense. Defense of the common good. Just war theory. And in extremely rare cases, capital punishment, just to name a few. 
But if that person, Brianna Taylor, is sitting in their apartment behind a locked door, or that person, Rayshard Brooks, who is too intoxicated to even drive and runs away, or that person is George Floyd, who passes a counterfeit bill, or that person is Trayvon Martin, who is out for a walk in a hoodie, or that person is Tamir Rice, a 12-year-old playing with a toy gun. Or that person is Eric Gardner, illegally selling cigarettes. Or that person is Fernando Castillo, who was pulled over for a routine traffic stop. Or even that person is Ahmed Armory, who is out for a simple run. There is no reason that their lives should have been ended in the manner in which they were. And the sad fact is there are so many more who unjustly lost their lives. And not only do we not remember their names, we don't even really care. And you can rationalize both sides of this discussion if you want to justify your position. But as a Catholic, please frame that discussion from one of preserving life from the position of God's eternal love and mercy for everyone and from the position of equal justice for all. And please do not say all lives matter. Of course they do. But currently in our country, there is a great injustice that is calling us, not just as humans, but as Catholics. And this injustice is calling us to action. For me, since I had this epiphany throughout the last week, I've been asking, what can I do? What should I do? First, I must acknowledge and understand, even though I do not believe that I came from a place of privilege, I will never know what it feels like to be a person of color. And second, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the one thing I must do, the one thing we all must do, is we must move in new ways. First, we must move away from the entrenched political ideology that anchors us in a two-party political system. As citizens of this great country, why do we want to be defined by only two terms? There are parts of being a Democrat or liberal or being a Republican and conservative that have good in them. Neither is 100% right or 100% wrong. And these systematic problems that face our great, great country were not created by a political party and they will not be solved by one. They will be solved by the people that created them. They will be solved by movement by each one of us moving towards each other in authentic conversations based on love and respect for each other. We must move our ideology. Second, we must move our minds through real education, research, and experience on topics that we may be unfamiliar with, racism and social justice. And that effort on our part should broaden our social economic norms based on the life that we have lived 
and experience. And what this will lead to will be different for each one of us. For me, I must educate myself on topics that in the past seemed trivial, but today are critical. Topics like the roots of slavery and racism, the civil rights movement of the 60s, and the current fight for social injustice. Again, it may be different for you, but do not let apathy drive your desire to not learn more about your fellow human beings. We must move our knowledge. Third, we must move our experience, what I call looking inward, to one of shared knowledge where we look outwards with those who have been wounded by years of oppression. That means we must know what others have truly experienced in their lives. This means, and this is going to be difficult, we must move away from non-personal methods of communication. Think social media and texting. To ones where we can have a real personal interaction, a conversation with each other. This means that our interaction with people of different races and social economic status needs to be beyond social media and news stories, dare I say, face to face, so that we can find things that we share in common and embrace them in real dialogue as we work towards change. We must move our experiences. And finally, we must move our hardened hearts and our stubborn minds to hearts and minds that are truly filled with Christ's love for all people, regardless of the color of our skin or the possessions that we have. So that there can be a day in our lifetime when the color of one's skin or the place that one lives does not dictate the way and manner in which one dies. So that there can be a day in our lifetime when the dignity of one's life is sacred to all people. So that there can be a day in our lifetime where the life that Jesus gave, His life on the cross, the life that He gives to us today right here in this very place in Holy Communion, that life from Jesus given as a gift for all of us will be known to all people as the source of grace and forgiveness that moves us to a place of justice and peace. We must move towards Jesus. So join me in movement. Move your ideology. Move your knowledge. Move your experiences. But most of all, move towards Jesus.